This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, live in Las Vegas, of course, downtown Fremont Street at the D. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. We're going to bring in the man at CBS talking college football. He's great, Barrett Salee. I always look forward to Barrett's What to Watch this weekend talking college football. And we say hi to Barrett. Nothing going on. Uh, aside no. from the fact that we have an answer. Hi, Barrett. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. At Barrett Salee <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, okay, so they hedged the Big Ten a little bit, right? Because if you're just joining us, Jim Harbaugh has been suspended. He's not going to be able to coach the rest of the regular season. However, he can coach the team leading up to the games. A little bit of a hedge, Barrett, as we say hi. Well, what's going on, guys? Yeah, never a uh, dull moment in this sport. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this was kind of what I expected. Um, that this was sort of, I think, what the Big Ten was forced into because if they didn't give him three games, then there would be 13 really angry coaches within the conference. So uh, they were forced into this. I'm interested to hear what Jim Harbaugh and his camp uh, do in response if they appeal. I mean, obviously, I know he's in the air right now uh, on the way to uh, Happy Valley. So I do wonder what's going to be uh, their response. Do they appeal? Whatever. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird situation. But, yeah, this is what I expected. Billable hours, they're always undefeated. Uh, and so I assume there will be more lawyers involved shortly. And I will follow up quickly. So it's four and a half Michigan Lane at, at Penn State. Give us an idea. Give the better an idea what you think this means to the actual product on the fields. You know, the game plan's already installed. Does this galvanize a Michigan team? What do you think about Harbaugh not being there this Saturday? Honestly, I don't think it does anything because they've already done this three times this year with Jim Harbaugh's right. earlier suspension. So I would imagine they had already put a plan in place for what happens on the sideline. You know, they, they trotted out four different coaches in three games to operate as head coaches during Jim's first suspension this year. So this is not something new. I, this, are, you know, it, this isn't something that they're going to rally behind. They're just going to go out there and play. This, this is the type of thing that I don't think is going to really um, matter one way or the other. Compart they, they compartmentalize things. Coaches compartmentalize things. And during the game, the players are talking to their assistant coaches more than the head coach anyway. So as far as game management, uh, it'd be a little concerning if there were people on that staff who had not been head coaches before and would be charged with making decisions that are um, they're not used to. There are plenty of coaches that can fill that role. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. And, you know, I don't know how much the line has moved since uh, 
since this whole thing happened about 30 minutes ago, but I would imagine this was built into the makers uh, decisions a long, long time ago. Yeah, currently sitting at four and a half, 44 and a half, the total there, Wolverines, the favorite. Let's go to a game close to you, Barrett. You've got James Franklin South, better known as Lane Kiffin, going into Georgia. They can't seem to beat the big teams, whether it's Alabama or Georgia. Now the dogs here, only 11-point favorite. Kind of take me through your assessment of how you see Georgia this year, and I hate to compare it to the last two years, but are they the dominant team that they should be or could be, and do they take care of business on Saturday? James Franklin South. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, and I wrote this today for CBSSports.com. This is huge for, uh, for Ole Miss because this is the best team that Lane has had in terms of uh, breaking through that glass ceiling and becoming a big game coach that he's had at Ole Miss. And maybe ever. He's only got one win over a top ten, a top five team, I should say, in his career. And that was in 2011 when he was at USC when they beat Oregon. I think Oregon was number four then. Uh, but this is a team that... Um, that can do it. Quinchon Judkins is playing great 400-yard games in the last five games. Um, they've got a tremendous wide receiver core, and Jackson Dart has been awesome. And then defensively, they create havoc. And that's exactly the recipe that Lane wants. That's why they hired him. This is the type of team that he was supposed to build, and he's done it. Um, and then now he's going into a, a Georgia team that is not, like you said, what they've been the last couple of years. They might have Brock Bowers. They might not. Personally, I think Brock Bowers will play and so, yeah, I think they keep it close. Are they going to win? I don't know. I don't think so. But they're going to impose their style. Styles make fights. And when Ole Miss does what it wants to do, it's going to put pressure on that Georgia offense. We've seen Georgia's offense play well when it wants to. We've never seen what they can do when they're forced into a 30-point game. I think they'll be able to handle it. But it's only I think. It's not I know because we haven't seen it yet. Barrett Salee joining us. CBS Sports does a great job. The So you mentioned and you wrote about Quinn Ewer's return against TCU. That number currently, Barrett, Texas lane 12 and a half on the road. Your thoughts on Texas overall? I'm curious. I think that with Quinn, their national championship caliber, with Malik Murphy, they might not have even been a big, uh, big 12 championship game caliber. Uh, I think right now, Quinn, with what he's able to do, use those uh, those weapons he has outside and work behind that offensive line, that offense can do anything at once. I think with Malik Murphy, they were definitely limited. Um, against TCU, it might not matter. Uh, but I think long-term, getting Quinn back right now uh, with plenty of season left, uh, with the Big 12 championship game, you know, in their sights, that everything we thought they were capable of before the injury, they're still capable of. Um, I, I think defensively, they've they've shown that they can they can do what they need to get get done when their offense is cranking. And so I'm I'm happy to see him back. There wasn't going to be an issue this week anyway. You know, a two touchdown ticket covering for Texas, I think that's fair. That's easy. Um, and and then now with Texas, they're an elite program again. They're that national championship caliber program. Barrett, real quickly, your perspective on coaches and the tendency to go for it on fourth down. We talked about it on Monday, Chris Kleiman going for it against Texas. We didn't agree the decision, not because of the result, but I thought that they were the better team in the second half of that game. And then all of a sudden you see them in a situation where they aren't uh, able to succeed and complete the play. Hey, Barrett, just quickly, yeah, I mean, we're broadcasting live from a casino, so if you can't hear the question, it's because people are going nuts at the tables. But <laughs> hopefully you heard enough of the fourth down question there. No, I heard. I just wish you guys would invite me out there to do the show live. Anytime. I'll, I'll out there, yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, yeah, but hey, we're, we're a serious XM family, you know. Let's do it. Um, no, I, I think right uh, with – with fourth down stuff, I know there's such the analytics thing is so big now. Um, I think sometimes coaches maybe get a little too married to it because you do have to play feel. You know, you have to, to sort of read momentum. Um, and the book doesn't tell you that. Um, so I, I think in, in that situation, I wouldn't have gone for it just, uh, because, like you said, it, it felt like Kansas State was the better team. But I always say this, when, when stuff like this happens – one way or the other, don't coach like you're, you're coaching on Twitter. Like, take a step back and, and think about what's best for your team and, and, um, and don't get emotional. And I think sometimes, especially when teams go for it when they shouldn't, you know, there might be a little bit more emotion involved than, uh, than, than maybe you think. It goes back to something that I've, I've said for a long time, whether it's football teams, baseball teams, 
architecture firms, whatever, there needs to be an assistant for common sense whose job is just to sit there and not say a word until it's time to say a, say something and bring that coach or that CEO or whatever back down to, uh, to earth a little bit. Barrett, uh, Amal talked to a bookmaker in Vegas this week, and he said on a neutral field, he had Oregon as high as a seven-point favorite against Washington. I don't know if you'd go that high, but would you favor Oregon in a rematch on a neutral field against Washington? Yes, and I'd go that high. I 100% would go that high. I think when you look back at that game, Dan Lanning lost it. You know, we talk about coaches overcoaching. Dan Lanning, he overcoached that game. He really hadn't been in a game like that before, so I guess it's understandable. But Oregon's a better football team. And I know folks like to say, you know, we have to use that. If they play it 10 times, what would the record be? Um, Even if they played at Washington 10 times, I still think Oregon would win seven because I think Dan Lanning is smarter than what he showed. I'm done believing in Washington's defense. I just can't. I mean, it's been so bad the last, what, month plus. And, and with Oregon, they're a more complete team. And we've seen that throughout the course of the season. So um, it, it, would I be surprised if they were if Oregon was a seven-point favorite on a neutral field? No, and I'd be inclined to take Oregon in that situation. Barrett, I'm biased here because I took Knicks at 12-1, to but I think he's going to win the Heisman when they win at Allegiant against Washington. What say you between him, Penix, and throw in J.J. McCarthy as well? Well, I took Jordan Travis at 12-1 uh, to 1 earlier in the season. Maybe 20, it was uh, way up there. Um, so I'm still biased against Jordan Travis. But if I had to pick right now, yeah, I'd say Bo Nix. I mean, he's, he's got to fire at the right time. I think he's going to lead that team to the playoff. And voters are human. They like, uh, and I'm one. I mean, I, I don't really think this way, but a lot of voters do. They like that sort of heartwarming story. And Bo's plight, his path to Oregon, I think resonates well with voters. Just one minute to go. Tennessee, Missouri, you wrote about this uh, over at CBS. Who do you like this weekend? I like Tennessee. I can't wait to watch it. I mean, it's going to be a fun game. And if you like running the football, this is going to be one of those games because Tennessee, man, they get super creative with how they run. And Missouri, if Luther Burton's not healthy, not 100%, which even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%, they're going to rely on Cody Schrader and Brady Cook to an extent because he can run too. Um, So I'm excited. I think Tennessee gets the win. Um, you know, lay the point if you want. It's a point and a half. Doesn't really matter all that much. Um, but I'm excited to see it. I think the world's going to open their eyes to see what Tennessee's building. And that is not a, a, an aerial attack. That is old school ground to pound football with a new school twist. By the way, real quick, guys, Tennessee has scored 128 ga- points against Missouri in the last two games. And Patrick, I know we're out of time, so I'm going to intentionally say this to Barrett now. Hey, get some pitching in the offseason, buddy. Oh, man. Trevor Bauer, bring him. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there you go controversial on a friday from bear we love it barrett salee of course cbs sports college sports nation on sirius xm at barrett salee on twitter thanks barrett enjoy the football this weekend appreciate it thanks y'all see you thank you okay talk to you soon barrett salee we'll come back with more on michigan i want to get your both your take we have two and a half we're showing tennessee at mizzou 58 on the total as Amal mentioned, high scoring with Tennessee. We come back. It is Sharp Money. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. 
It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, Friday. About November 10. Wow, we're already there. VSIN, you should get over there right now. VSIN.com slash subscribe. $120 through May 1st. So, again, you may wonder what you get when you become a VSIN pro. And that takes you from now, November 10, through May 1st for $120. Little investment, but you get everything we offer, including the picks every day. I would assume for $120, if you get the plays, college basketball, hockey, basketball, everything we offer every day, that would be enough. But you also get the guides. You also get the betting splits, the tools, you know, build your own system. If you just want to become a better handicapper, vcin.com slash subscribe. Okay. It is November 10th. So what is it? The fourth Thursday Thanksgiving. So that would be not next week, right, boys? Is it two weeks from yesterday? The 23rd. Is that where we're at? Yep. Okay. All right, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. We're talking college football week 11, as we mentioned, in college football as we start to crystallize as far as the conference championship races, the chase for the college football playoff. I hate to say it that we're already in week 11, but here we are. And we were just discussing, I know this is a play for you on the total. We were discussing, boys, as we went to break, and that is Tennessee at Missouri. It, It... He's done a good job. I always want to say Drinkwater is his name, but he's done a good job. We moved from App State to Mizzou and kind of made him relevant again. And, of course, we know what's happened at Tennessee after a few down years. It's a difference in numbers. So you can find where you guys sit at Circa Sports, two and a half with Tennessee laying it. DraftKings is showing one and a half with Tennessee laying it. Most shops are showing 58 58 and a half you do see at DraftKings on the total. And this is an interesting one of all because as far as I'm concerned, you could point to uh, Burden the third. Luther Burden the third is Missouri's best player, the wide receiver, and his status is in question. So a lot of Cody Schrader, if not. Uh, but this is going to be a good matchup nonetheless with points expected. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Tennessee's had great success. I mentioned a second, a few minutes ago, 128 points in the last two matchups against Missouri. Last time these two teams played in Missouri, I think they put up 35 points by halftime. I mean, it was insane what uh, Tennessee was doing against them. This is, to me, a game where I think Missouri is a dog. You like them at plus 125, Patrick. This is a much better team. You mentioned Eli Drinkowitz. He's done a tremendous job. Brady Cook's been outstanding. The one concern I do have is with uh, Luther Burden in terms of what he's going to be able to give you if he's able to go at all. That's one area of concern. My issue with Tennessee is Joe Milton is inconsistent. When it comes to throwing the football, we know he's a good quarterback. He's got great arm strength. But, guys, he does not have the accuracy that we saw at a Hendon Hooker the past couple of years when they were successful in this matchup. I like the uh, Tigers here at home in Como. I think they're a better team than they've been in years past. They played Georgia tough and tight. This is going to be a challenge here for Tennessee going on the road. The Big Orange are not as good as they've been in years past. You mentioned Schrader and the job he's done. He'll go over 1,000 yards in this game for the season. Don't forget, we talk about Luther Bird because he was a big-time recruit. Theo Weiss was a five-star at Oklahoma who transferred in. Mookie Cooper is another guy who was at Ohio State, transferred in here. They've got some other playmakers that can step up in this one, and I think Tennessee's secondary can be exposed here by Cook. Yeah, I, I like Missouri 
plus 125. You yeah. can find, again, two and a half in the market, anywhere between two and a half and one and a half. Uh, I like Missouri to win the game outright, big guy. Look, Missouri hung with Georgia a week ago. The question is, how do you think they rebound from that? Do they have more belief because they were tied at the half with the, you know, one of the, the, the two time defending champions? Or is there a bit of a letdown with Tennessee in town? Tennessee played UConn last week, so they just cruised and hung out. I do lean towards the points in Missouri because I just think they're a better overall football team. I ended up not pulling the trigger on this one just because the scheduling spot. I think it's a potential let down for Missouri just coming off the high of hanging with Georgia for a while and then now having Tennessee a, a team that could put together some points but I do agree with you guys Missouri is the better of these two just one thing I want to add, Patrick, real quick. I watched the entire Kentucky-Tennessee uh, game because I had Tennessee in that game, was fortunate to get the cover. I'm going to tell you right now, they were able to move the ball effectively against Tennessee. And this is a major upgrade here in terms of this Missouri offense compared to what Devin Leary and Kentucky's offense can do playing at home. I, I'm with you, Patrick. I Look, I like the over in the game at 58, but I also like the Missouri Tigers here. I think it's a great opportunity for Drinkowitz. <laughs> what did I call him? Drink water. He's doing a good job. He could yep. call an offense. He, he, it, it's interesting. To, I just, it still doesn't feel like an SEC team, but. Oh, it's so weird. No, it's been like 10 years now. I'm yeah. still not used to it. It doesn't feel like, and you know, I, and if my memory serves me correctly, the first like two, three years in the SEC, they were awesome. Yes. And maybe I can go back and look, but I think they actually popped the first year or two in the SEC, then fell off a cliff. Uh, but here they are. They're back. 12 and 2 and 13. What was it? I'm sorry. They went 12 and 2 in 2013 with Gary Pinkle. Yeah, that's right. Pinkle had a ton of success. Macklin and was it Macklin and Chase of, Daniel there? That yeah, Chase. Year? I think it was Chase. Yeah, they went uh, 12 and 2, 11 and 3, and then they went back to Missouri football. Then they went back to being Missouri. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, next one up, we'll stick with the SEC. I'm just curious if you think, Amal, uh, is 11 too much for Bama to be laying at oh, Kentucky? Oh. What happened? Are you kidding me? That number's not high enough. Stop it. Stop <laughs> no, it. 47 on the total. Let's go. I'll tell you right now, Jalen Milrow, you finally all saw what I was talking about all year. The kid can do it all. He's an absolute beast. Bond and burden on the perimeter. This team is fighting the start. Excuse me. Finding themselves. You're not going to run Chase McClellan. Roydell Williams has been tremendous in terms of being the backup running back, and he was more effective against LSU. I'm laying the 11. Early start time in Lexington, 11 a.m. Roll damn tide. <laughs> Roll damn tide. I, I thought you were watching Athletic Bialbo and Celta Viago like me in Spain, and there was a goal. That's what I thought that reaction was, because that's what I've been paying attention to as well. Big guy, what do you got on this one? Uh, look, I'm laying it in the first half with Alabama. I didn't get out to a quick start. Things keep rolling against Kentucky. Kentucky can't do anything offensively. Milrose coming off a game where he threw for 219, ran for 155 and four rushing touchdowns. He's really hitting his stride, really making me wonder what happened, what really happened behind the scenes of that USF game. Was he really benched or was it a suspension? Did something go on away from the field? Feels like there's no way he should have always been the starter. From everything I've heard about the kid, he's from Houston. I highly doubt he got suspended. I'll just say that. But to me, I think he was like, listen, guys, Buckner can't play. Simpson can't play. Get off my back. We're going with Milrow. I don't want to hear another damn thing. Yeah. Is it me or they did they just figure out how to use them? It's almost like especially against Texas. If you bet Alabama in that game, they were just misusing Milrow in that matchup. I, I completely agree with you. Part of it's on Jalen Milrow. He does not want to be a running quarterback. But he just he needs to because he's he, good at it. Well, it's not just oh, that he's, he's very good. good at it. How about the hit he put on the LSU secondary? I mean, he trucked yeah. him. I don't, yeah, and I also think that the running opens up the, the one aspect of his passing game, which is the intermediate routes. He's good in the short game. Everyone is. And he's good at throwing a deep ball, but the threat of him running gets him more one-on-one -on -one matchups because somebody is spying him i think he needs to use his legs more to open that up because that's a weakness in his game he needs to google robert griffin the third oh. rg3 said i want to become a pocket passer and now he's broadcasting games on es <laughs> could you imagine wanting to be something so boring when you're so cool it's like being a ferrari and wanting to be a minivan well, it's, it's like being a Ferrari and driving in school zones all day. I mean, come on. <sighs> That's not terrible. Um, I want to hold on to Ole Miss and Georgia 
just because we t- we discussed it a little bit, and I, and I think it's a fascinating matchup. If you take a look at the home road splits, not just Kiffin, but Ole Miss altogether, it's fascinating. I know you've got to play here. We've got two minutes, so let's on the way out talk about Memphis laying nine at Charlotte them all. Yeah, this is a 49ers team that struggles. Look, they're playing at Jerry Richardson Stadium. Nobody shows up in Carolina to support the Panthers. They're not showing up to support the 49ers and Biff Pogey and his lack of sleeves. To me, this is an opportunity for a Memphis team that scored 45 points in their last three games. Hennigan's been awesome throwing the football. I think they'll be able to name their score here. Patrick, these are the types of games you try to find on a Saturday. You look around in college basketball. Quinnipiac's playing right now against Central Connecticut State. Those small ones, those little gems that maybe you don't pay attention to. I love Memphis here. I thought this number was going to come back at about 13 or 14. Was surprised it was under under double digits. I like the Tigers here on the road in Charlotte. 11.30 Pacific start, 2.30 Eastern. Big guy, you got anything? Yeah, I'm going to take a prop bet in this one. Uh, the yes, minus $2. have to pay heavy juice. Will Biff Pogey not have sleeves? <laughs> Is Charlotte the worst offensive team in the country? Uh, I'm one on of them? The Kent State, but uh, yeah. Kent State. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like you say that with the assumption Kent State is That's, already be, they're over here. That's fair. Uh, but I agree. I, I'd lay it. I think it was. I think it jumped from nine and a half up to eleven. I think it'd still feel comfortable laying it with the Tigers. Okay. When we return, Ole Miss. This is Dustin. While you were at the restroom, we were talking about like Franklin. The pressure on him without Harbaugh on the sideline even goes up more. Yeah. Like just perception wise. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Lane because this is a wonderful opportunity. We've talked about it. Amal asked Barrett about it. You know, where is Georgia right now? If there are questions about a repeat champ, I think you can, I think it's okay to question Georgia at this point in the year. Well, this is, you're never going to have a better opportunity than Lane does going to Athens this weekend. So we'll come back and discuss here on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Check out the betting splits over at vsin.com. Money and bets for every game, updated every five minutes, straight from DraftKings. Today's games, of course, future events as well. Betting splits, by far our most popular betting tool over at DraftKings. Make sure you check it out, vsin.com slash subscribe. We got you back here on a football Friday. Plenty to do. The big guy went from not necessarily liking the Week 11 college football card to loving it during the break. So let's get into a game that I think most people are anticipating. And that is, it's interesting. Now, this is fascinating because circle where you guys are sitting is showing Georgia Lane 11. DraftKings has went to 10, okay? 58 on the total. So that's a big difference there. 10, right where you're sitting, excuse me, at DraftKings and then 11, right where you guys are sitting, Circa Sports. And Ole Miss travels to Athens, I'm all for a huge SEC showdown against the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. One thing I will say about Georgia, they're not as, obviously, Brock Bowers is a big question. They're not the team they were last year, but you kind of notice that offensive front getting a little bit better, the two backs starting to run more effectively it's still arguably the best team in the country and Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin they've got plenty to play for it's a huge spot for Ole Miss yeah you mentioned let's start with the tailbacks for Georgia right now Edwards and Milton Milton's been injured a little bit hasn't been as effective but still 5.1 yards per carry Edwards at 5.6 we know the dogs can run the football I thought coming into the season they had the best offensive line in college football the line has played well for the most part Beck has been good he's been efficient 16 touchdowns four INTs but really to me Patrick and we talked about this in the preseason Dominic Levette uh, we know what Bowers can do. Lad McConkey, And um, I just think this quartet really hasn't done quite as well as you expected. Ra Ra Thomas, another guy I forgot about. But I, I think they're good. They're not great. I don't think Georgia's near what they were the previous two years. So with all that being said, on the flip side, when you look at this Ole Miss team, three receivers over 600 yards receiving each, the best trio in college football. They've been outstanding. Uh, when you look at Jackson Dart, his mobility, his ability to keep plays alive with his legs, scramble on third and five, keep a drive alive is going to be crucial in this one if Ole Miss is going to find a way to win this game. Guys, for me here, I like Georgia, but I do not have the confidence that I did in Alabama, even though they're on the road, or in Michigan being on the road. Georgia has shown lapses during games, guys, where you go, eh, maybe they're not as good as you thought. Look, Missouri had a chance last week. They just couldn't capitalize on it late in that game. 
I, Dustin, I know you've got to play on the first half. I, I'm going to take a look at the total and go under that 58. And again, Ole Miss isn't one of the best in, in the nation as far as defensively, but their new coordinator, I think it's Golding, has them playing Alabama. better. They are, they are second in the conference in sacks, and pressure on Beck is going to be important here. Just five and a half yards per play down from 5.9 last year. Uh, it's a better defense. It's not a good defense, but 58's lofty there in Athens. Yeah, it feels like a huge number for an SEC game. Unders are 17 and six, last 23 games at Sanford Stadium for Georgia. So I think it's a really good play. I'm going to go first half under 29 and a half, just because Georgia's been a second half team. If you look back at the season so far, they uh, the first half has had less points than the second half, three of six games for them, but two of three at home. So at home, especially a slow starting team, I actually blame Mike Bobo for that and a lack of creativity on offense because I think the players are there. And Carson Beck has proved over the course of the season to get better and better each week, but they're not quite expanding the playbook as much as I'd like. And then we touched on it earlier in the week. Ole Miss on the road is not as good. Jackson Dart goes from a 68% completion passer to a 60%, goes from 10.6 yard average to 9.1 average on his throws. He has 13 touchdowns at home to versus three and three interceptions on the road. Mississippi as a, ha, averages 45.7 points per game at home, 25 on the road, and there's almost a 200 yard difference home versus road splits for them. I just think they're as good on the road, I think they will struggle to score against what is the best defense they've seen all year. And on the other hand, with Georgia being a slower starting team, I could see them being more conservative early. 29 and a half is a lot in an SEC matchup in between the hedges. Like it. And based on your cap and the celebration in the background, that's a winner. <laughs> They that is it. a winner. They liked it. I, I'll say one thing real quick. Ole Miss only played three road games. Numbers got skewed in the game against Alabama. They played at Tulane and they played at Auburn. They Go were ahead. up, though, in Alabama at the half. They were, but the offense wasn't looking particularly sure. good, right? I think it was 7-3 at the break, and then Bama came out. Alabama did the same thing against Tennessee. I, guys, I'm going to tell you, this game is its just vital. If Ole Miss is going to win, if you're going to bet in-game, Ole Miss has got to get up early in this game. I don't think they can play from behind. Uh, is there an angle with some of the allegations, the stuff that went down with Lane, where like his team maybe doesn't, don't feel so great about their head coach at the moment. I think they would rally around him as opposed to the player that took a two-week sabbatical and refused to call anybody and let them know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Say say what you want about Kirby, and Kirby can be demonstrative on the sideline, but the idea of Lane headed to Athens and outwitting him is laughable. Well, Again, he gets outcoached by superior coaches consistently. Kirby won the national title last year for Georgia. When he called the timeout on fourth and one, when Ohio State was running a fake punt, they would have gotten the first down, up 10 with seven minutes to go. Kirby called the timeout, saw the play design, that saved the national championship for them. He's been a tremendous coach. There's nothing you can point to. He got beat by the number one pick two years ago in the SEC championship game, and they got revenge a few weeks later. So he has done a tremendous job. Yeah, Lane's a social media guy. That's uh, he, he let somebody else have an opportunity to go eight and five uh, <laughs> at Oxford. I'm sorry. It's just enough, enough with the shtick. And I'm not even talking about the, what happened this past week. Okay, next up. And Whittingham's a little bit of a different story. What he's done this year, boys, at Utah is fascinating because you've got 18 Utah sitting at seven and two headed to Washington. Who's nine and oh, this is a big spot for Washington and Utah. If you think about it, injuries obviously have been the story. We were debating whether or not Cam rising was going to be available for week oh. one. We haven't seen him now. Micah Pittman and their tight ends and Kuthi, who's a stud yep. and Jackson, like they just continue that being Utah to deal with injuries. It, it's, but again, they rebounded with a blowout win over Arizona state last week, but this is a major step up in class for Utah. Washington is just confounding. You know, this is a number right now, nine. No, no, this, nope. It's down. It's seven and a half on DraftKings. DraftKings seven and a half. I might, I, mean, I might just, need to jump in on Washington. And I'll buy the hook if I have to. I'm showing DraftKings eight. You got seven and a half. I've got wow. seven and a half right. I might have to get in on this if, if I have a book out here with it. That is, look, I get the the thought, but Whittingham is, you know, betters especially know one of the probably top five coaches in the country. And well, he does this every year. We out physicals a team that has national title hopes. It's usually USC. This year it's Washington. 
I, I get why why everyone's betting the Utes here, but at seven and a half, I might have to jump in with Washington because re- remember what happened when Utah took on Oregon. Oregon went to their house and won 35 to six. That was a high-powered offense. It's also a team that Washington beat. This game is in Seattle. Uh, yeah, is in Seattle. I think I might have to lay it. I'll just say this real quickly. I don't know if any team in college football employs their style more on an opponent than the Utah Utes do with Kyle Whittingham. Look, historically, Washington has dominated this series. They lead 13 to 2 all time. That's fine. But when I look at this team, Utah's not getting enough credit for their defense, Patrick. 16 points allowed per uh, game on the season. They have been tremendous there. And not only that, they're only giving up 81 point, uh, yards on the ground per game all year long. If they make Washington one-dimensional, which I think they can do, even though we saw Johnson had, uh, had a tremendous game, uh, or Dylan, I forgot his name, but um, last week against USC runs for 200-plus. If you become one-dimensional, even as good as the passing attack is, I think that's a serious problem for this team, and I think that's where the difference is. I like the way uh, Jackson runs the football for this Utah team. They're physical. They're going to do exactly that against this team. Uh, No, Amal, you were both correct in Dylan and Johnson because his name is Dylan Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. (laughs) It's pretty good. uh, Okay, so we we mentioned USC. When we come back, we can discuss USC catching a big number at Oregon. Oregon. I find that game to be fascinating. Just so many myriad storylines surrounding that matchup. Uh, if you missed it, as we let you know here, Sharp Money, Visa, and the Sports Betting Network, a punishment has been handed down by the Big Ten to Jim Harbaugh. The allegations, of course, sign stealing. Well, he can't coach or at least can't be on the sideline for the rest of the regular season. That includes this weekend at Happy Valley. He can prepare. He can coach the team leading up. That, to me, is the Big Ten absolutely hedging their bet. As a matter of fact, us, uh, Amal and I were discussing it during the break. I feel like they even got approval from Michigan, who matters a lot in those Big Ten meeting rooms. I think they probably got the sign-off to say, hey, Jim, you cool? You've already missed three games on the sideline this year. Uh, he will miss this weekend at Happy Valley. I believe he heard about it and the punishment was designated while they were on the plane flying to Penn State, which is funny. And As we go to break, big guy, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier, but you do have a first half play, Michigan Penn State. You know, we're on the under. Uh, I broke it down. The the defenses, I think, are both going to come out. They're both really good. Penn State, especially against the run. I think J.J. McCarthy will be forced to throw. And if there are points in this game, I see it happening in the second half. I see a very similar game script to what happened with Ohio State in town with Michigan there. It's going to kind of go the same way. Penn State's not going to push the ball downfield. Aller's throwing most things about 10 yards down uh, to the sides. Like, I, I really don't. 10-7 at the half. That's my expectation. Yesterday, boys, I handed out USC plus 520, my big dog, at Oregon. And we said, wow, that's nuts. 14 and a half? Nope. It's up to 15 and a half with Oregon laying it. We'll come back and discuss next. Sharp Money. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. DraftKings bet $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. For new customers using that promo code SHARP, S-H-A-R-P, download the DraftKings app. Again, new customers, five to win 200 instantly. Also, all bettors over at DraftKings, no sweat, same game parlay every day. DraftKings, the crown is yours. We got you back, Sharp Money. We've got Samich coming up in about 14 minutes. We'll run the NFL board. I'm Patrick Maher. I'm all Shaw. Dustin Sweetelson, we're jumping into this week 11 college board, and we've seen 15 and a half pop up in Eugene. So Oregon, of course, hosting USC. USC right now, it's tumultuous. It's a program in turmoil. We know Alex Grinch has been fired. You don't expect just because of it, the defense to flip the switch. They don't have the horses in the trenches. And Oregon is Bo Nix, as Amal Shaw outlined. That's his Heisman. The duo of Bucky Irving and Jordan James have been super effective. Of course, Tez Johnson and Troy Franklin. I mean, this team is loaded. Now, the question is, and I'm not questioning Oregon's defense because they've been awesome. But anytime you have somebody like a Caleb Williams in an offense, again, Oregon points per your best scoring team in the country, your second best scoring team in the in highest scoring team in the country is, of course, USC. Now, you're not necessarily I don't think Oregon's going to be concerned about getting to Caleb. Caleb can make stuff happen just because USC's offensive front is not very good. However, 16 we're showing on the board right now. I'm seeing mostly 15 and and a halfs in the market. This is steep. And speaking of steep, no surprise here. You've got a total of all of 77. Yeah, you brought up a couple of great points. Number four passing offense in Oregon, number five passing offense in the USC Trojans. These two teams are prolific in terms of what they're able to do, and I think that's going to be the difference. Oregon, the number two total offense, USC, number eight total offense. It's going to be electric, but Patrick, this is too many points. Lincoln Riley in his career is 73 and 16. He's lost three games by 14 points or more. Against the LSU team in the college football playoff in 2019, they got absolutely crushed. Against Utah in the second half here at Allegiant Stadium last year in Las Vegas, and then this year when Caleb Williams had his worst game as a col- uh, as a collegian uh, when he threw three picks in South Bend they lost that game 48 to 20. I will take the 16 all day with the Oregon excuse me with the USC Trojans here. Marshawn Lloyd's expected to be back in this one and you mentioned the difference between no uh, who's the defensive coordinator just fired Alex Grinch. Grinch. With no longer having Grinch there. Yes, the defense can't be any worse. I mean listen, when you're getting water waterboarded every day, you've got an opportunity to breathe now. They can't be any worse. They just need one or two stops. Caleb's going to put up 30 plus points in this game. You know, we talked about in that Washington-Oregon game, Patrick, we liked the over, the game went over. This is 77. We saw it in the Washington-USC game. That game flew over the total. This game is going to get over. They're not going to have a chance to slow down Bo Nix. I think the Ducks probably get somewhere between 45 and 55 points, but I don't think the Trojans are going to be that far behind. I think Oregon wins by 7 to 14 points, but give me 16 all day with the number one pick, Marshawn Lloyd, in this offense. It's a wild number, big guy. 1677, USC, Oregon. Uh, it's out of control. It's a complete overreaction to last week. I, I get it. Oregon, 45 and a half points per game. They're number one in the country. USC's number two, guys. They're right behind them. They're fifth in EPA per play, 10th in success rate, fourth in explosiveness. Caleb Williams has the fifth most passing yards per game in the country at 327 yards per game. When you look at what Oregon's done, I get it. They have been dominant. But if you look at the teams they played, they only faced one legit offense, and that was Washington. They lost the game by three. 
15 and a half to me is just a massive number. I have to take it. The defense should be inspired coming off the Grinch firing, as Amal was saying. I really like that angle. They don't, they're not going to be great, but they're definitely going to be better. I think it's dangerous to lay 15 and a half against a team like USC. Dare I say, Abella dangerous. The, well, just to add one other thing. Remember when Colorado <laughs> went to Eugene, they were catching 19. Like her, the back door is always open. They were catching oh 19 to 21 in this particular spot. You're trying to tell me the Trojans are only three points better than Colorado coming into Eugene in that particular spot? Well, look, Give me the Trojans the all day. Let's play the schedule game real quick. Tech, they beat Texas Tech in week two, Oregon. By eight. Fuck, good win, but like, let's be real about that game. It had to come down to cra crazy stuff at the end. They had Hawaii and Colorado, Stanford, whatever. They get tested and lose it, lose to Washington. Wazoo no longer looks like the win it looked like a few weeks ago. Utah has a, a walk-on quarterback playing, and Cal has no offense. It's a different beast. I didn't even understand the about. I just Googled your little reference there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Look, in this game, just like her, the back door is going to be open. We, we heard it the first time. Making sure. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers, Iowa. Fellas, we've got a total of 28. Dustin, did you say historic, correct? Yeah, this is, this is a wild one. Since 2000, it is the lowest total at 28 that we have seen in a college football game. Six games since 2000 have had less than a total of 34. Six games. Five of them have included the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's where we're at. Uh, also, the under is 13-0 since 2022 in Iowa games with a total under 50 when they're not more than a seven-point favorite, which is why we're going to go under the 20. Both teams play, both Rutgers and Iowa. First off, you know they both rely heavily on the run. That's no surprise, but both play at incredibly tortoise-like paces. There would be no reason. We're showing 27.5. I am seeing 28s. 28 and a half in the market. There would be no reason unless you're going under to touch the total here. I'm all I could never play this over, but I mean, what How the could you even, but from a joy standpoint, like people usually root for overs for fun. To me, the fun is betting the under in this. Well, the problem with 27 and a half is when yeah. you have the under, I mean, you are literally hoping we're not in overtime because that's what's going to be the deal breaker in this game, right? You get to overtime at seven, yeah. seven, you're in trouble here, but seven, seven, zero, zero. <laughs> You hope. I mean, last week, let's be real. There were, what, 13, excuse me, uh, 17 points scored in that Northwestern Iowa game, including overtime. I don't know. This, this Iowa team is playing like it's the 1920s. They are, I believe they've gone under seven of their last eight. And remember, when you're talking about, I, I'm talking about Iowa here. So under and seven of their last eight. And it's always baked in. The books have always baked in the, the understanding yeah. that everybody, including this week, the percentages are all, all, all over the under Dustin. And yet still we're showing a 27 and a half. That's insane. Uh, the final scores in Iowa's last three weeks, the totals were 21, 22 and 17 total <laughs> points. Uh, they come into this dead last in the big 10 total offense, 225 yards per game, 13th in score with 18.4 points per game, but the defense fourth overall in the Big Ten at 13.7 points allowed per contest. Uh, Rutgers, when it got down to Big Ten play, is averaging under 20 points a game. They haven't faced a defense other than Michigan quite like Iowa. And Iowa versus Big Ten teams is scoring 13.5 points per game because, of course, they have the backup quarterback playing. Uh, I like this game to go under. I'm going to enjoy every second and rooting against every red zone opportunity and hoping for a punt on every play. All right, boys, maybe a little bit of a college basketball dump because we do have some Samich has got college plays as well, but let's just throw kind of a smorgas at you. Arkansas is laying two and a, two and a half against Oregon. Excuse me, Auburn. Big guy. I know you're on that one. Yeah, look, uh, we touched on it earlier. Dan Enos being fired opened things up offensively for this Razorback squad. K.J. Jefferson ran for 92 yards last week. That's his highest total of the year. And this defense has been really, really good for Arkansas. They're 56th, 57th in points allowed, 40th in yards per game allowed, uh, 48th against the pass, 45th against the run. 
the de if the defense is going to hold up like it has been all year, I think they're going to cover against Auburn on the road. Auburn's on the road at Arkansas. I, I love the Razorbacks in this spot. Uh, we'll pick Suey at home. Auburn's not good enough to go on the road and win this football game. Rocket Sanders is back, had 100 yards yep. rushing against Florida. K.J. Jefferson wasn't great, but he was solid. And I'll tell you the one thing, Patrick, is a real challenge when you play Jefferson. You cannot bring him down when you bring a safety or a corner in. This guy's 255. I mean, he had 260. I'm actually angry at the way Dan Enos used him and kind of ruined his last season of eligibility because I, I think K.J. Jefferson's a really good quarterback. Uh, listen, Armstrong, I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. He's had a bad year because of this team. This is a cheap price. This is a good bet on the Razorbacks at home. 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. Obsessed with Arkansas in this matchup. If you watched last week's matchup in Gainesville against Florida, that wasn't that that offense wasn't even a facsimile of what you had seen earlier in the year. They're going to score against Auburn. I'd lay it as well. Quickly, one more, boys. Clemson. Are you buying stock like your boy Dabo said? He's laying 14 and a half hosting Georgia Tech them all. I won't short them in this particular game, but I can tell you right now, I'm not looking to buy in Clemson long term here. Uh, I took the points in Georgia Tech. They're 3-1 on the road. They don't turn the ball over. They don't make mistakes. Haynes King, the transfer from AM, is having a really good year. 22 passing touchdowns, 5 rushing, just 10 interceptions. Bowl eligibility is on the line for the Yellow Jackets. And oh, by the way, Brent Key might actually be a good football coach. <laughs> and Brent Key from where? A locksmith, Did maybe? Did he take over last year? As he was the DC, yeah, right? Yeah. He took yeah. over? took over for yeah, Jeff, Jeff Collins. Collins who got yeah. fired and they played That's inspired right. football under him by, by the Jeff way Collins go ahead yeah, I was just gonna say people at Bowling Green have a different view of Brent Key and Georgia Tech yeah they they absolutely but what Collins came from Temple yeah. to Georgia Tech and flamed out we come back with Samich next I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.